Chaos looms, and darkness swiftly approaches. It's time to build your fires and defend the perimeter. Welcome to the Perimeter. I'm your host, Jeff Putnam, and this is episode one. I'm joined today by my first guest, Mr. Jack Donovan. If you haven't heard of him, get out from under the rock you're living on. Uh, he's the author of The Way of Man, Becoming a Barbarian, A More Complete Beast, and his latest book, which is what brought him here today, Fire in the Dark, Men and Gods. Jack, it's great to see you again. Thanks for coming on the show, brother. No problem, man. You know, um, when I saw the pre-orders go up for this book, I think I was the second person to pre-order because I was like, holy crap, he's got something else coming out. Uh, uh, your work inspired my book, cool. and I even quoted you in my book. Uh, I gave you credit, of course. <laughs> and uh, when I read through this one, I realized this one was completely different than what I had seen in your other three books, in your collection of essays, A Sky Without Eagles. And this one really hit on a lot of points that if I had read this five years ago, I would be a lot further along in my own path of spirituality as a pagan myself. Right. I would have been able to kind of bring the concepts uh, to a little more tangible aspect and something relatable to the life I live. Mm -hmm. But well done. Uh, this, this one... I, you know, you don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to be a pagan. You can be an agnostic, atheist, whatever. The concepts that you've described in this book and the way you've laid them out in a relatable and real way, I think there's something for anybody who has any kind of inkling of there's something missing to be able to bridge that gap and put those two things together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, my Mormon bros like it. So like uh, that, and that was the goal too. Cause I, uh, when I sat down to write that book, really, um, I was really, I, I started out to write uh, a book called Odin Thor Frey and, uh, and that would have been fine. And in, in a way I was almost kind of setting myself up to be uh, an Edred Thorson kind of character where I could, you know, this is what I want to do. I'm going to start up this book and I have this framework and I'm going to do, go do rituals and I can, I can be that guy, um, you know, and just elaborate on this forever. And that would have been cool. Uh, but it, as I started to dig deeper, I thought that it had a broader frame and had a, you know, I didn't need to niche myself in that, that tight. I, I thought it was bigger. It, it really, the book actually could be a religion on its own. But, uh, you know, I didn't want to, like, limit it in that way. Uh, so I wanted to talk about it more as a philosophy. But uh, there's definitely, you know, you know, what's, you know, like, what's more eternal than the eternal warrior or the eternal father or the, you know, the, the eternal, like, fertility god? I mean, that, that stuff is very old. Uh, you know, you can give it a new name, but it's not really like you're creating a new thing. Yeah, and I know it's going to sound very cheesy, but when I read through and I started getting into the tripartite system of the father, obviously that resonated with me as a father. Of, I've got nine kids. You know, I lead my wife, my children, and then the striker. I hit that on, a, on that as well. I was a, I was in the army. I was an infantryman. I've had to defend my home against a home invader. And then the Lord of the Earth, I'm like, 
I grow things, I craft things, I do woodworking. So all of these things, it, yeah. I was like, Jack wrote this for me. Nice. <laughs> it's the way it felt. And what, what, what made you start bridging those things together in a real, I guess, physical manner? Because it's really easy for me when I write, right. I have this concept and I can elaborate on this concept from a philosophical standpoint all day long, but you try to turn it into something tangible and real world relatable. It often doesn't quite mesh, but you were able to do that really well with this book. What was it that made you start realizing the physical manifestation aspects of Odin, Thor and Frey uh, that you saw around you and maybe even in yourself? Well, when I started out, I mean, obviously, uh, I think as I tell a story in the, in the book a little bit, uh, I was doing a cycle of rituals um, several years ago. And uh, that's kind of the job as I'm, if I'm leading rituals, that's my job is to make something relatable. Uh, you know, because, you know, I can talk about, I can just talk in the abstract and, uh, you know, be really arcane about things. And, and maybe that would be my inclination generally um, to get very intellectual things. But you have a bunch of guys standing around a fire. Um, at the end of the day, uh, my job is to give them something that they can take home and give them something that they can apply to their lives. And that's, I mean, that's really what a preacher does, really. Like, that's, a, that's what a pastor does or a priest. Uh, you know, they, here's the sermon, here's the story from the book, and here's how you can relate it to your own life. And so that is the work of what priests do. And so, uh, that, you know, I guess I had a lot of practice in that. And, uh, you know, when I was, uh, obviously I could just tell a story about Odin and, and whatever, but, you know, like, what does he do? Well, Odin, you know, really is a creator of order. Uh, you know, he goes into darkness and, and uh, pulls raw materials from chaos and, uh, you know, and gets wisdom from like mi the mysterious world that no one knows. And then uh, it takes them back and, and then gives them to the gods and men and, uh, you know, creates an order and, uh, you know, helps give them knowledge that they can use in the world. And, they, you know, in that case, I'm talking about the runes, but there also he does that with, you know, goes and steals mead. Uh, it gives people poetry and so forth. So uh, there's a lot of aspects like that. To, and then, you know, that, that really connects to a lot of things that other father gods do, um, you know, create order and, and so forth. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, the striker is easy. Everybody, want, everybody wants to start out with a striker. I mean, if anyone who gets into uh, uh, Germanic uh, paganism or anything, it's really because of Thor. You're like, o Odin is kind of a weird character and it grow, he gets to grow on you. Uh, but uh, everybody gets into that because they, you know, they start they start with Thor, and uh, that's I think that's really just generally important for men. And I talk a little bit about this in Fire in the Dark, is that that warrior role is really what defines young men, and that's what they're trying to connect with, whether they're going to metal concerts when they're a kid or whether you know they're uh, identifying with some uh, kind of macabre imagery which is very, very common. I mean, everybody has their skull shirts and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's what dudes connect with when they're young because they, they realize that that's what differentiates them from the soft world of, of the feminine. And, and so that's really the, the connection that, that a lot of men find in all of this. And uh, so that's the first thing for many of them. And that's the strength and it's the strength, courage, mastery and honor. It's all the st stuff that I talked about in the way of men. And so that's what they're really connecting with first. And then the other things are things that are a little bit more complicated and have to grow on you. 
I mean, obviously becoming a father and becoming a leader in some way, uh, that's, that's at a more advanced level of the game. And, uh, you know, all the meditation and things that, you know, would be the father in darkness that I talk about in the book. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the Lord of the earth is, is one to get, that's hard to get a handle on for a lot of people. And I struggle with what to call him. Um, and, uh, you know, you know, it's Frey in the Germanic pantheon too. And there's, you know, discussions about whether or not, you know, like that was even incorporated early on or, or whatever. But, uh, I mean, there's always been a fertility God uh, and a God of the earth and a God of, uh, you know, celebration um, in your Dionysian things and, and uh, uh, a God of, you know, enjoyment and, and, uh, and, and sex and love and, and all the fun stuff in life and, uh, you know, all the, you know, the things that we have to do to interface with nature. And, uh, and so I think that, that it's an, it was an important part of the puzzle. Uh, and to figure out what to call that guy and what to, you know, it's a lot of guys don't really latch on to that very quickly, you know, and, and so it becomes a little bit more, um, you know, they go to Thor right away and then they go to uh, Odin and then, you know, they get something out of, you know, phrase kind of down the road for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and what's funny is you, you, you can find, you can kind of see the overlap between Thor and Frey if you look between you know, Snorri Sturluson and the Jackson Crawford translations of the Poetic Edda. You know, Thor is often, um, you know, he's championed as the god of the working man, the god of the common man, you know, as the protector of Midgard, right? Um, but the common man was majoritively a farmer. And there's the relation of the color of his beard and you know, bringing rain and thunder you know, it, it represents the wheat and the growing of the crops. And so there's a lot of overlap there as well. And I, I thought of that when I read through and you were talking about the evolution of the striker and how the striker eventually, even though he began as the sword of the king or the weapon of the father, he eventually got to the point where he had to pass the sword, pass the hammer, and he became the father. And... Yeah. But that's very natural, even for all of us, you know, as men. And I can see why you say that most men immediately gravitate to the striker. Because as a young man, I don't care who you are, what your nationality, culture, sexuality, any of that. There's a point when you always ask yourself, do I have enough to pay the price of admission? Do I have enough to cover the check if, I, if my ass has to cash it? Right. You know? Am I capable of handling a situation that arrives? And I remember as a young kid myself, you watch something like you know, Die Hard and True Lies. You kind of, you know, vicariously put yourself there. Like I could do that. I could. Right. It. It's the same as the fat guy now. You know, with the with the beer gut and the Cheeto stains on his shirt, going, "Man, I would have choked Conor McGregor out. I don't know why that guy." Right, didn't. right, right. You know, there's always that element of, "Am I enough?" And I think the striker represents, as you really well told in the book, represents that hunger for, yeah, I can swing this fucking hammer. And yeah, I can defend my shit. And that's like the, the default for every man, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, like I said, I mean, that's the role that, uh, in which we differentiate ourselves from women. Because women don't have to worry about that. They, they, I don't think most women worry about, can I cash that check? You know, can, can I, can I, you know, 
it's not like they might not worry. They, they might realize at some point that maybe that's a skill that they want to acquire, but right. they are, that isn't expected of them. And uh, I think that that's expected of men if we're going to acknowledge them as men. Uh, you know, it's how men judge each other. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the, what men gravitate towards first. It is is very much a universal. It's it's a that role is the thing that makes us different from women uh, because that is expected of us, and it's not expected of women. It's it's like a bonus, and some women can do it, but they don't have to. Uh, and and uh, that's kind of always the way that uh, you know society has been organized. Yeah, um, what's that old phrase? No one's a feminist in a foxhole. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't go that way when shit hits the fan. Yeah, defund yeah. the police. Oh, my bad. No, actually, we need police. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. I can do anything a man can do. The ship's sinking. Women and children first. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly, exactly how it always goes. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and that seems like it's more of a biological norm than a cultural norm, no matter where you are. Yeah, I mean, it's just basic to, you know, well, and nature plays, nature rolls dice with men. Uh, you know, that's, that's how nature works. Uh, you know, it, nature rolls dice with men. We, we're expendable. Uh, you know, he, women are a resource. Uh, you know, one dude can impregnate a lot of women. Uh, but women can only, you know, reproduce at a, they, at a much uh, slower rate. And right. uh, they're at a very finite rate. And, uh, and so, that, you know, they are a little bit more of a resource and they're going to, you know, they're going to naturally protect their interests in that way. Of and course. Whereas men will naturally kind of assume that it's their role to, uh, you know, aggress or defend. And yeah, cowboy up pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, another thing that I noticed about your book is, uh, you know, a lot of your Instagram writing and your essays that I've seen, they also tend to lend a more spiritual, I guess you could call it arcane kind of lean to. And that's what, I, like I said, I noticed it was very different about this book compared to your others. Right. What are you thinking about now as you see uh, what I call it? Um, everyone has a God or everyone is religious. They just have different gods as we kind of tend to spread into this more, almost a zealotry secularism uh, as like a society. And this tends to lend like that one helping hand for that guy who's like, yeah, so nothing is true. And, you know, nihilism. Uh, yeah. Let's do this black pill shit. Right. I still feel this like gaping hole right here. Like what I mentioned earlier, that something is missing. Um, did any of that have or play a part in your wanting to write this when, when you see like there's men out there who are struggling to make some connection in a world that is hyper secular when they're longing for something sacred? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, uh, it was a few things really. Uh, one of them is that, you know, there are a lot of guys in this space writing about masculinity and there weren't when I first wrote the way of men, uh, in 2012. Um, and now there are a lot of guys out there talking and, and a certain amount of it was trying to figure out where I fit in, you know, because, uh, you didn't have, uh, friggin', uh, green berets and shit writing about masculinity, uh, in 2012. 
uh, now, you know, so I kind of had to try and be all the guys uh, at once. And uh, in truth, I mean, I'm an artist and I've always been really interested in myth and beauty and, and, uh, uh, and that's how I think. So a lot of it was me trying to figure out where I fit in, where I, what I have to bring to the table that no one else does. And uh, I can do this. Uh, <laughs> and uh, no one else does that. And, uh, and so that's, that, it was part of that. And it was also, you know, I, I joined a group where I got an opportunity to uh, do rituals. I had never, I'd always thought, that's the thing, people want to do rituals, but they're always like, ah, I feel hokey uh, doing them. I you feel like you're faking it to make it or you're LARPing or whatever. And I found a group that was, you know, dead serious about it and actually did it in a really cool way. Uh, it's not the way I would do it now, but, uh, you know, it was effective. And uh, so I got to actually do that, you know, for four years, actually, uh, you know, connect with men on that level and see how they react and understand that kind of spiritual thing that is missing for a lot of men. And so I, you know, I have, you know, as we joked before the the show, I mean, I have, you know, more experience with goat sacrifice than most. Uh, You know, it's a a special talent that I have at this point, uh, or, or a realm of experience I could put on my resume. Um, you know, and I've built a lot of temples, uh, you know, I, I'm an expert temper, temple builder, uh, shacks and shanties, but, uh, that will work really well on the Walmart greeter application. Right? Yeah. Yeah. What's just, you know, like if I ever get canceled, that's probably what I'll be doing, but, uh, it's, uh, yeah, at home Depot or whatever. Uh, but and sacrifice goats. Yeah. Yeah. Can sacrifice goats reasonably effectively. Yeah, you're helping some old lady find her lumber. You know, yeah. this is perfect for your temple. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Um, you know, I found that, you know, like, the have you used deck screws? Because you can use deck screws to make any fucking thing. Uh, but uh, <laughs> anyway, so, you know, I, I, you know I, I've done a lot of that work that I don't think, I, I forget, because I'm also spoiled, uh, you know, that I had my own land for a while and uh, that I build all those things out there and I did these things once a month with people and I forget a little bit that most guys never have seen anything like that or never have had that experience. Uh, so, you know, it's, that's kind of exciting for me to be able to bring that uh, to the table. Uh, and, uh, and I do think a lot of dudes do just want to go out in the woods and scream a little bit. Uh, you know, and uh, yeah, absolutely. what I get out of it is something different. Cause I, uh, I do priest role stuff. And, uh, but uh you know, a lot of guys need that. And I forget about that because I, I live a very, at this point, uh, uh, manicured life to a certain extent. I, manicure is probably not exactly the one word I wanted, but that's what I got with, it came up with. Uh, it, that in the sense that like I'm self-employed, I don't have friends that I don't like. You know, like I don't have arguments with friends. I either have friends or they I don't. Um, you know, like uh, I don't, you know, I, I live in man space all the time you know all my friends are men and uh i don't have to interface you know with you know like i don't have to go to work and interface with Susie and the girls or like corporate guy or whatever uh you know i can i can do what i want and most guys i i forget um they have very little time with just men it is a very precious and rare thing that they get to do and to go out and in, in in the woods with a bunch of men and uh, engage in, I don't want to say fantasy because that has a wrong 
that has a, that has a demeaning connotation to it. But uh, they're accessing a part of their brains that is what they always dreamed about. You know, like everybody, you know, the, they dreamed about being Conan or they dreamed about, uh, you, know, you know, being a great warrior. And it, this is part of their unconscious life. And uh, it's what motivates them. I mean, I know uh, a buddy of mine, like, he says that he, uh, when he's at the gym on the rowing machine, he's like, on a, he's on a, like, you know, ship, you know, they're going to, going to war. They're like, you know, people, the things that men visualize. Um, that's, uh, that's, a, it's important and part of our life. Uh, it's part of our, our internal world and they don't, you know, when you access the world through a spreadsheet all the time, uh, you're not really in touch with that. And I think a lot of guys need to get in touch with that. And, and, and that's what I think ritual really does is it, is it incorporates that unconscious realm of the things that you dream about. And the things that, you know, whether it's, you know, we're not going to slay dragons. Most of us are not going to slay an actual dragon, but that's in our brains. And that's why Hollywood taps into it. And that's whatever, because we care about that and it's important to us. And, and whether or not that's our real life doesn't really matter. But uh, it, if we can interface that world of the unconscious with our conscious world, I think that we're more whole and everything's more in harmony. Yeah, I agree. Um, for me, I grew up as a Southern Baptist. It was one of those where I get dragged to church Sunday night, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, and then to every little camp thing that they had. Right. But something about it just never really jived with me. And I'll be honest, I tried to yeah. be a Christian. I was like, like, okay, I go here, I read this. You know, what's funny is I have a friend of mine who is a very close friend and he's an Anglican priest with the church of England. And I've read the Bible more than he has. And that's hilarious to me that I, I really dug into it and tried to find some connection that felt like it jived with who I am and what I am. And I never could do it. And it wasn't until it was shortly after the first time I had you on the show, um, COVID-19 got me laid off from my job. And I said, fuck it. I'm going to be self-employed. I'll do my thing. And I've been doing that ever since, which is great. So I, I see what you see, but because it was so recent for me, I can relate to, yeah, having to show up and follow HR's orders. And you, know, um, you can't say this thing in front of this person because their feelers get affected. And when you and I were in Orlando last year, that was the first time. I mean, I'm a dad of nine and eight of them are boys. My wife is severely outnumbered. So it's a very man-like area here. Right. But still, that was the first time since I can even remember that I had that man only. Because I didn't see any women while we were there. You know what I mean? Outside of the strangers that were in the peripherals at the resort. Yeah, yeah. But that was it. And it made me better appreciate and able to understand why I was feeling there was this gap there, something that needed to be filled. It, it's kind of like that old song. There's a God shaped hole in all of us. Right. There was that one thing that I couldn't put my finger on that felt sacred. And it was the company of other men and brotherhood and being able to relate on a philosophical, metaphorical, spiritual, and physical level with something sacred and greater than myself. Right. 
And that's why when I read this book, I'm like, God damn it, Jack. Why did you write this back in like 2001 when I wasn't I was, smart enough? <laughs> because you had to, you had to grow from just yet. being the angry striker and become the father, you know, that solar energy there. Right. Um, and that's another thing that I think is really taken off uh, with a lot of men who read your work, who follow your work, uh, the solar idealism. Right. Uh, because it's really easy to be this bitter bitch about everything you see. You know, I turn on social media or the news or whatever it is, and you just look around, you're like, what the fuck is wrong with these people? And it's really easy to become bitter and jaded and nihilistic about everything. Yes. And you covered, and you even covered that in your book. You, you, you hope everyone else is walking around just as confused. Right. And then you're like, well, maybe they're not. Maybe they just say, fuck it. I don't care anymore. So I, I really identified with that, but there's yeah. one part that you hit on that made me, and I'm going to ask you to kind of go into it a little bit. And I read it this morning. Cause I, like I told you, uh, when I sent you the text, I slowed down mm -hmm. so I could finish it this morning. Right. You said you, in the beginning of the book, you mentioned, we are the first men. Yeah. And in the end of the book, you said, we are the first men again. Could you break that down for the guys watching the show and listening? Uh, because I think that right there painted the perfect illustration of what to me, the perimeter means and establishing the perimeter. Uh, and the reason I started the project that I have now and the books that I'm writing and the one I've written, that is, I wish I had thought of it myself and I wish I could plagiarize it and not give you credit because that just lays it down exactly how I w wanted to express in less than the 50,000 words it took me to. Right. Uh, uh, and you did it in a few paragraphs and it was amazing. Uh, what do you mean by we are the first men again? Well, uh, as, as you know, central to that book, uh, and I wrote this very early on as I was writing it, uh, there's, I kind of created a new myth and it's the myth of the first men. And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't trying to obviously make an anthropological point of like, these are the first men that ever existed. And this is exactly what they did. But more that, you know, imagine, you know, this archetypal group of first men, uh, because it's happened all over the world. You know, it's over, you know, a group of men leave a place. They can't go back for whatever reason. The whole world is really open to them. And they have to actually make values and decide what they're going to do. And, uh, and it starts with a, the idea of a campfire. And that's where the, the name fire in the dark comes from. Uh, you know, they make a campfire and a campfire is really a symbol for the sun. Uh, and it does a lot of what the sun does. It makes light and warmth and, uh, you know, makes the world intelligible. And it's, that's what men do is they, they try to, they, they use light and they, they try to understand the world around them because they need all that information so that they can survive, whether it's, you know, finding out plants and animals around them or other, looking at threats or all, any of those things. And they give them names and names are really values and, and uh, rules about things. And so it, we become creators of our own space. And this has become a thing that was just a weird slogan that I heard many, many years ago, and then kind of became a life motto for me is the start the world, uh, which is my- It was Peter Fonda, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I, I've definitely built it out a little more than I think that he meant. But, 
you know, that's that's what men do is that they've started a world. And I've in, in the way of men, I talked about Romulus and Remus, you know, and, that, and that's a myth, too, probably, you know, like where there were the really two guys who were raised on the hairy dugs of a, a, the wolf mother. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, you know, they the idea is that, it, you know, men come together, they found a thing and uh, you know, they create rules and structure and religion and laws and all these things. And uh, and that, that's what I was really responding to when I said that we are the first men again, is that this idea that it's up to us. And I think a lot of people want to kick the can down the road and and say, what's happening in the world? Is this a bad thing? And and act like teenagers that mom and dad are fucking with us. And uh, once I get out of my own, I'm going to make my own rules. But you are on your own and you're an adult. And this is our generation. Um, it's our job. Uh, you know, the guys who fought the Revolutionary War, uh, things were good until they weren't. Uh, <laughs> things were good until they weren't. And someone had to say something and someone had to do something. And uh, because it was their responsibility. It was their 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 choice to make a future and uh you know if things aren't going the way we want there is nobody who's going to fix it but us and so we are in this wilderness of of chaos and confusion and and you know it's all very metaphorical when you talk about it that way but uh when you look at everything that's happening in the world you're looking at uh, really the re not even the redefinition of words but the idea that words don't mean anything to the point where like, you know, like, you know, you start with, you know, are there, what's a man really mean? What's a woman really mean? What, maybe there are more than men and women. Maybe there are 138 genders. Uh, maybe nothing means anything. And, and that's the way they do with everything. Like, you know, like all these people in history that we've always revered, maybe they were terrible people and maybe we shouldn't revere them at all. Maybe we shouldn't even have heroes because heroes make people feel bad. Uh, you know, because if you have an ideal, then you have people who don't meet it and people who don't meet it feel bad. And so we should just give everybody a universal basic income and a participation trophy and send them on their way. And, and so, and, and I think a lot of men are see that and they're like, no, that's no, not how it works. Everything is wrong about that. You know, like uh, all the things that men naturally, uh, and it's not because they've been conditioned. It's because, yeah, of course it's better to be strong than it is to be weak. Of course it's better to be smart than it is to be dumb. Of course it's better to be beautiful than it is to be ugly. Um, you know, men, I think those are natural evident things and they're all being challenged everywhere. And they're not being challenged because with some new ideal in place, they're being challenged because people don't like ideals. And, and I think that if we don't like that, it is our job to fix it. And that's what I mean by being the first men again. It's our, we, we have to recreate the world in, and that's, and no one's going to do it, but us. Yeah. The old one's gone uh, and we can't go back to it. And everything else now is just, you know, raw virgin land for us to plant our seed in and grow something bigger and better than what we left, or at least something that will be bigger and better for guys like us and the world we want to build. Yeah, be bigger and better to, you know, Tommy and and Sheila Forgender over here, but it's bigger and better for men who want to be good men who are good at being men. Yeah, and you know what? If if you know Tommy and Sheila Forgender want to move to Portland and and live in whatever mess that they're creating there, uh, they can uh, they can do that. And, yeah. and I I actually am uh, like 
this is a big uh, thing for me right now. I'm getting really, 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 really tired. And I've said it for years, but it's becoming more and more retarded. Uh, the, this, this idea that uh, there's liberals and conservatives and uh, like America is a liberal country, uh, fundamentally. It's it really like the idea that we should be free to have our own guns and, and govern ourselves and, uh, and uh, live our own land and get the fuck off my lawn. Uh, I mean, that's, that's very liberal. The free speech, it was like revolutionarily liberal. Uh, and those are the values that I think that are important to me and uh, a lot of the men that I know. And those are very liberal values. And I think we, we're stuck in this boomer frame where you know they we're calling these people who are really authoritarians uh authoritarians who want to impose their will on people they have never met in places they'll never go to and we're calling them liberals and i i, I think it's a really kind of a mind fuck because i there whatever was to conserve was gone a long time ago uh in many ways well that's what we've done now though right we've planted a new label on something to make yeah. it sound better than it is you know, you, you take a shit in a box and call it candy. It's still shit, but people like it because it says candy. Oh, sure, sure. We, let's reimagine shit is what they'd say. Yeah. Uh, like, here, here's why we need to, here's 10 reasons why we need to reimagine shit uh, next on BuzzFeed. But uh, it's, uh, I mean, seriously, that's, that's, that, that could be a thing tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think that the, we need to kind of reframe that ourselves and uh, not give them that. Uh, I think because we're in a place, I think, where there's an authoritarian thing coming down uh, that doesn't want people to be free with it, to do what they want. And, uh, and I think that that's, we, we, yeah, we just need to, to, to reframe that discussion. Yeah, because it is a very difficult line to walk, right? You know, if you're building, if you set up your perimeter, you get your home fire, you know, your ancestral home. This is where I'm beginning my legacy from this point. Right. You want people to be able to do whatever they want within reason, because then you'll just kick them outside the fucking perimeter and say, no, 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 that shit ain't happening here. Yeah. And so, but people have this very binary way of thinking. Well, you allow everything or you allow nothing. No, there's lines and boundaries that have to be drawn. But of course, it's 2021. Nuance is dead, right? Right. New nuance is completely dead, but that's something that I covered um, in the book that is coming out later this month. Mm -hmm. uh, the perimeter was the slave class. And this, I, I put this together after reading through Nietzsche's uh, slave and master morality uh, right. arguments. When the slave class rose to power in Rome, mm -hmm. they didn't raise, they didn't rise to power through force. There's no way they could. Right. It was, they corrupted the master class by getting them to feel guilty about their virtues and started saying, no, strength is bad. Chastity is bad. This is bad. You know, integrity, discipline, all these things are bad, which it's very similar to how the left is eating each other like a, a fervent feast to see who's woke enough. Sure. You know, if you're not woke enough. And so, the power class, the master class turned on each other. And while that was going on uh, in the name of what we would call now social justice, their rise to equality wasn't them rising up. It was them bringing the masters down. Yeah. And so then they can say, look how morally pure you are now, by the way, I hold the monopoly on whatever the fuck I say is morally pure. Right. And so it was through the, 
the sweeping stage of the slave morality, which is democracy, the loudest, squeakiest wheel gets all of the grease, uh, that we started to see that transvaluation of morality. Uh, and it's like you said in the very beginning of the book, uh, you know, with Nietzsche, when you quoted Nietzsche talking about, you know, God is dead, it's because no one shared the same idea of what was good that nobody could relate to each other anymore. And so, well, I say this is good. Well, fuck you, I say this is good. And now it's a pantheon upon pantheon upon pantheon of these uh, little golden calves that everyone is worshiping, saying that theirs is the most pure and theirs is the right one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's uh, yeah, I, I, I think even nature would have to take a step back and uh, be like, wow, I... I mean, I said that, but holy shit, I didn't think it would go that far. Yeah, uh, uh, 84 was a warning, not an instruction manual. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is uh, it is really impressive that the way everything is being taken apart. And we're really, uh, and I've had this discussion with a lot of people, is that we're actually in a part where we're no longer even arguing about what is good and what is not good. We're now in a place where we're arguing about what is true. Uh, like what like facts are and uh, you know and that's like people can't agree on facts and uh, there's no there's no like collective agreement on facts you know like aside from like I know that fire is hot but you know like someone might say that that's a you know bad rule and maybe fire isn't always hot maybe you should re-examine re-imagine fire but uh, I think that there are certain things obviously they're scientifically like you know obvious well, that obviously doesn't matter anymore. The, the trust the science, Jack. Yeah, right, right. The science says the fire is no longer hot. Uh, you know, like uh, you know, three politically elected uh, scientists agree. Uh, like, but, but yeah, it, it, I mean, there there is no real consensus on what truth is. Uh, you know, you have the media that's saying this is anything that we don't agree with is misinformation, and uh, you know, a lie. And in many cases, it isn't. And, uh, and, and then, you know, you have other people where like, you know, like, but I don't know where other, the other guy's getting his information either. And, uh, and so, you know, we really can't, you know, if something happens on the news, I'm like, did that even happen? I don't know. I don't believe it anymore. And so, you know, I think that, and there's a lot of people out there who really, yeah, we, the monopoly on truth is, is actually falling apart. It's not even just good and evil. It's, it's really like the, you know, like what is even real uh, is falling apart because, you know, you have people struggling to control uh, what is real. And that's, that's very, that's a very interesting thing that's happening right now. It really is. And when, uh, when I wrote Empire Divided, mm-hmm. one thing that I was thinking, uh, and I actually uh, ended up expanding on this a little bit more um, in my new one, justice morality all of those things are now subjective and in really subject to you know, the uh, justice has always been subjective right you know if this asshole raped my daughter yeah i want to cut his head off right but the empire which i'm giving you credit for but i've coined it as well obviously empire divided yeah uh because it does fit all the descriptions right there's the unifying strategy that there's military might and a confederacy of random tribes sure when you start looking at it as something 
when you stop seeing it as this monolithic thing that's amoral, right? Yeah. And you see it as it's nothing more than a collection of people with desires and ambitions and flaws and lusts and appetites. You can see that justice across the board. And so maybe this is one thing the activists got right. Uh, we need real justice. You know, this is not the same kind of justice we want. This is not justice, but that's, they're only half right because it, if it doesn't benefit the empire, right? The guy that raped my daughter, he's worth more to the empire and I have to pay his cable bill and his gym membership when he gets locked up. And if he's in there long enough, my daughter, the, his victim will have to start fronting that bill. Right. You know, paying the taxes to keep this fucker fed. And that's not justice. Yeah. That is almost like a, a barter system. Hey, we'll hold him here, but you keep paying us and we'll take some of that cash and put it over here in exchange for you not to having to worry about him coming back. Yeah. And so across the board, justice is completely subjective. And obviously morality is. There are plenty of people out there that, you know, if they live over that ridge over there. I'm not going to treat them with the same esteem or at least consideration that I would my own people that are within my own community, my own perimeter, my family, my people. Sure. Because they, things have always worked. Yeah, right. Yeah. They could be those hungry fuckers that are just going to eat me when I get over there. Hell yeah. Right. And I think, uh, I think our mutual friend will said it. If you, uh, if you treat whores like housewives, you're treating housewives like whores. And so you can't treat everyone the way you want to be treated because they can come back and kill you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah some people are gonna come and eat you. <laughs> right. It's, it's bullshit. Yeah. Um, but that's where we're at now. Right. Treat me the way I expect myself to be treated, even though I'm going to undercut you and everything you believe in and use your own arguments and philosophies against you. That's not very Christian of you, Jack. Right. And, and continue down this path. And it's become complete chaos. There's no two points of views that line up anymore. Yeah. Which is the need for a perimeter. Wall your shit off, like what you said, and becoming a barbarian. Carve out your little piece of the empire. Take its resources, leave the rest to rot. Mm -hmm. And just use it to benefit your people. And fuck everyone else. Yeah. But you mentioned that now. And of course, here comes the guilt culture tactics of um, that's not Christian of you. That's you're this whatever ism or phobe now. Right. Um, and it's there's a lot of people out there that they get sucked into the victimhood of it where they're the victim of victims. Yeah. You know, and, uh, they they lose all of it. They lose all of their sense of fight. They lose all of their sense of uh, purpose because they feel like they're just getting washed away from it. And that's why I think, you know, the work that you do, the work that I'm doing, the work that other guys in our space do, it, it's important because we're creating these small worlds that other people can become a part of and not be so lost in that wave and uh, of just the random chaos uh, that is the empire. Yeah, I mean, I think what it, what it comes down to is, is uh, 
refusing to be reactive. And that's why, you know, in, in the book, I talked about my, my, my uh, uh, you know, personal hero ever since I read that book is George Washington. And he kind of uh, encapsulates all the different ideas that I talk about in the book and all the different archetypes. Uh, but, uh, you, know, how, you know, how would George Washington handle all this? You know, and I think we went through a period where, and I think Twitter is to blame for this, and I think Twitter is probably the worst thing that's happened to modern culture hands down it's unhealthy to have access to that many random people's thoughts isn't it no and, and they're bitchy random like five second half considered thoughts uh yeah it's like having access to people's internal monologue where they're while they're stuck in traffic uh it, it's it's it, it's it's with Tourette's yeah exactly and they could say everything I want to you know like and they don't have to think about repercussions of things and uh unless they're famous and then it becomes a different deal. But, you know, we went through a period, I think in culture, American culture that, uh, where it was like, okay, well, we're going to have to get dirty and fight the dirty game. And, uh, and that was really like the, you know, how Trump rose to power in many ways is, uh, you know, fuck you, no, fuck you. And, uh, you know, there's this whole like big, like game where, you know, you, you play, he could play them better than they were playing themselves. Um, you know, but, uh, I think we need to move beyond that. Um, not that I actually like him better now than I liked him when he was president. Uh, but, uh, I, and I mean, I think that maybe him being off social media would be good for him and good for the country, uh, in terms of, uh, let's, you know, why don't you issue a statement once a week that like you thought about for five minutes instead of just bitching at people like where everybody's just bitching at each other. It's a very feminine mind virus Twitter is. And, uh, I think that if we can uh, start down a path where we're actually behaving the way we would want to behave ourselves, not necessarily because of treating other people like they want to be treated or whatever, but what kind of man do I want to be? Do I want to be a man who's just bitching at people on Twitter? No, actually I don't. Uh, you know, is that how I want to react to things? Is that how I want to handle problems? Um, well, you said, uh, I mean, that's, that's not grown up shit. Uh, and that, I think that that needs to stop. And I think that uh, we need to go in a different direction. I think people are, uh, there are men who are slowly figuring that out uh, and refusing to just cave to that, that, that kind of reactive stance. And I, I oh, think it's extremely reactive over there. Yeah. I have it because it's a source of income for me. Sure, sure. Right? Twitter's, yeah, Twitter's yeah. a source of income for me. Yeah, I mean, you... I have Instagram because you know, right. like, that's, that's how I promote my work. Exactly. Uh, but, but uh, I mean, you know how it affects the shit you see. Oh yeah. If yeah. you don't curate the shit you see and you just allow whatever there, you'll blow your fucking brains out. Mm-hmm. Either that or you'll get sucked into it. Yeah. You know, yeah, uh, it, it's is, a, is an important part because people don't realize people like just bitch about what's on there. And I hate those companies. If I didn't have to use them for anything, I wouldn't. Um, and you know, maybe I'll get to a point where I don't someday, but uh, right now they're, they're useful to me. Um, but, uh, you know, like people don't curate their shit and they just bitch about what's on there. And I'm like, the discussion I had this morning was, you know, like a recommendation for, I mean, like where else would this happen than Instagram? Um, I'm following the hashtag futurismo because I like Italian futurism, or at least I like the manifesto that goes with Italian futurism. And so I'm following hashtag futurismo, which is obviously Italian. And I happen to see this production of 
the manifesto of futurism uh like it's a stage production of it where they've made future like based on their uh, the art of uh, the italian futurists they've made costumes based on that and then i like it and then the production designer like gets back to me like dude i like your pictures but in italian so i had to google translate it but uh basically like told me that he liked my, my work and now he's like following me so this guy who's doing like uh you know avant-garde uh you know stage work in italy we had a little like back and forth on instagram this morning while i was still sitting in bed uh, so, you know, it, it can be as cool as you want it to be. That was pretty neat. Uh, but, uh, you know, people aren't always, you know, like, you know, people want to just, you know, well, all I see is girls showing their butt. Uh, well, that's because all you follow is girls showing their butts, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and, and you get to expand the whole curation thing even further to real life, right? Yeah. You just got done saying you don't have friends you don't like. You don't hang around with people you don't like. But more people get caught up uh, in allowing that to happen in real life, so it kind of just bleeds over into the social media or vice versa. Maybe they do it all on social media, and then it bleeds over into real life where right. they don't have the nuts to tell someone to fuck off and get out of their lives. Well, I mean... That's, that's part of establishing a perimeter, isn't it? Hell yeah, it is. That's what I was just going to say. I mean, that's... A dr kings draw lines that's what that, that's what you know rex means you know writes it, it writes straightens things uh you draw a line and, and i think that this is where the people who we would call conservatives if i was using that word uh have failed in america uh tremendously is that they're afraid to draw a hard line absolutely and, uh, and that was and because uh, people on the far left or the corporate left or whatever it is now. Um, we'll call it the globo left. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and those people, I mean, I lived in Portland. They'll draw a hard line real fast. Uh, like, yeah, you can't be friends with us because you're friends with that other guy. You're friends with the evil Jack Donovan. Uh, you know, like I've had... I've been not allowed to go places because, uh, you know, like uh, someone, you know, googled me uh you know it's it's definitely a thing and they will say no we won't associate you with you we don't want you anywhere near us uh but conservatives will be like well you know i hope you don't bring your california bullshit to texas but welcome you know like, <laughs> and uh yeah. and uh you know like welcome here's here's some here you know here's like you want to go shooting you know like uh, it, it and and man if that was anything 2020 taught me i was like fuck no uh, you know, like, uh, these people who want to lock me in my fucking house, eat shit. Like, we're not friends. We're not like in our same social circle. I don't want you in my house. I don't want anything to do with you. Uh, you know, and that's kind of how I feel about basically any Democrats you can get, can get fucked. Like I, I, if I, if I know about it and I have a choice between two restaurants and one's run by one, one's over the other one, I'll go to the one that isn't run by them. Uh, yeah, oh, absolutely. I've started to draw hard lines and man, that needed to happen a long time ago for a lot of people. Because, you know, they've really infected areas that they shouldn't have been in and uh, influenced cultures that they shouldn't have been able to influence, but because people were too nice. And they're like, well, I really do like artisan pate, though. You know, and yeah. uh, like, I like think about the moral high ground is it, yeah. it it's only the, the moral high ground is only advantageous if both sides recognize the moral high ground. Right. You know, I if you just keep sticking to the moral high ground and that's my problem with uh, 
the 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 right mega people uh the the zealots of them right um they they stick to that uh and this is not an attack on christianity but they stick to that the old uh misinterpreted uh what would jesus do turn the other cheek thing i've taken the i'll take the moral high road at this point taking the quote unquote moral high road all it's going to do is let you get killed while you feel good about yourself yeah that sometimes you have to draw a fucking hard line and yeah sometimes the only answer is no and we're not even engaging that yeah like you like that like i'm not going to argue with you i mean i actually just posted a thing i think this morning i I commissioned somebody there's a motto from uh becoming a barbarian no arguments no uh, you know explanations and uh and yeah, at a certain point, like, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to engage you. I'm not going to, I don't care if you think that I'm right or wrong, but I don't want that in my world. I don't want that in my life. It's not acceptable. And uh, you can do, go someplace and do that wherever you want to do it, but that's not going to, I don't want that around. That, that needs to be outside my perimeter. And, uh, yeah. you know, and do it and, over here. Just because yeah. I hold you in zero regard does not mean I hate you. Yeah. I just don't think about you at all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I don't sit up at night thinking about like, you know, all these people who want stupid things. Uh, you know, I, I almost think of them as ch- childlike, uh, you know, and that's the way we should be. I, I think that the problem is that there's a really interesting switch that needs to take place. I think with a lot of people, um, there's still a tendency to call these people idiots, like, or that they just don't understand or they don't get it or the, you know, like that they're, they mean, they mean well, but there's a switch that happens like, well, what if they don't mean well? Like, uh, what, isn't that the scariest thing to imagine? Yeah. Like, what if, if they you, completely understand they know exactly this is the way they want it? Yeah, this is what they want it. Like, you know, like, yeah, I have friends who were reacting to things that were happening in the military or whatever. And it's like, can't they see that doesn't make us more prepared and that doesn't make us the, the military stronger? I'm like, do you think that they actually care? That's adorable that you think they care about your lives, but they don't. Uh, you know, like, uh, and, and once you would realize that, then the whole game changes. Uh, because, you know, they're, they're not making any of the changes that they're making in the military to make the military more prepared or more effective. They're, they're making the changes because they have a short-term goal that they want to satisfy, and uh, they don't care. And if, if a bunch of dudes end up dying because they made bad, bad decisions, they don't give a shit about that. And, uh, you know, the idea that, you know, like, like that the you know the, the president really cares if you know like you know so and so that weird situations happen because they're letting dudes into girls bathrooms and maybe any any sensible man would say that's probably not a good idea you know like that that that's probably not going to you know that's going to be taken advantage of by some bad dudes and some bad things are going to happen I, I think that, uh, you know, Joe Biden, to the extent that he's even sentient, uh, <laughs> like, I think that he knows that that's a bad idea. And he doesn't. But care. it's more profitable to yeah, say, yes, we're behind this. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't care, care if it's a bad idea. He cares that saying it will will award him some type of. Yeah, it, it's a chess move. Yeah, it's a chess move and it's a game. And uh, he doesn't care what you know, evil that he causes. Yeah, and he'll sacrifice some pawns to get his king or his queen in a good position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think any anybody with sense, especially someone who was probably raised in the fifties, uh, anybody with some sense is going to be like, "That's 
that's going to lead to bad things. You know, like that, any, any grown man with any sense is going to be saying that's going to lead to bad things. Uh, and there are so many things that are happening now that are obviously like, that's not going to shake out the way they say it's going to. But I think that they know that. And uh, yeah. that's, that's I, th- I think, a real big leap that people have to make. It is. And that's one of the things I love about where I live. Um, you know, when the coronavirus thing hit and they said, all right, everybody's just going to lock down and stay home. Our governor uh, here in South Carolina, he said, we request that you stay home. Yeah. That People stayed home for like 12 hours. Yeah. After that, they're like, I've, I've got shit to do. Right. And of course, there was everyone screaming, you're killing grandma and all this, that, the other. The gyms went... Yeah, we got bills to pay. We'll open barbershops. My favorite cigar shop where I always go and pick up my pipe tobacco and cigars. Um, They had a sign on the door that said closed uh, or lounge area closed. If uh, you want to buy something, come in, buy it and leave. Right. You open the door. There's like 75, 90 year old dudes sitting on the leather couches and they're chilling, smoking cigars, drinking scotch. I'm like, I fucking love this place yeah we we sit there and we yeah right and we sit there and we stare out the window we're watching the barber have people park across the street and run in so they can you know go get their haircut that went on for two weeks and then after that nobody was hiding shit they said fuck it and our governor said well if that's what you want to do and it stopped there. And that's one of the, like, I, I'm really grateful I live here in South Carolina where that happened. Mm-hmm. Especially when we have a, a sheriff who's been the sheriff like 19 times yeah. uh, already. And he told the governor straight up, before you enforce a mandate, just let you know I'm not going to have my guys enforce it. Yeah, That's just how we do it. And I'm an elected official. You can't do shit about it. Mm-hmm. So just let you know if I have to deputize the county, I'll do that. But Go do your thing, bro. Yeah. And it stopped and all that went away. And I feel like that same kind of reaction to the hyper woke and the screaming and the hollering, if people just went, yeah, okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm not engaging. I'm just going to go do what the fuck I want to do. Yeah. And then you guys can keep screaming over here. That's fine. I'm going to throw some earbuds in, crank up some more Druna, get my chant on and keep screaming. I'm just going to go get gas and go out to eat. Keep it great. If you let that happen and you stop rewarding this attention seeking behavior, it goes away. I mean, I ignore my kids when they have tantrums. When you want to talk like you've got some sense, we'll, we'll talk. But until then sit there and bang your head on the floor. It's your concussion, not mine. Right. You know, and (laughs) we go from there. But like you said, it's very, very reactive. We live in a very reactive culture because it feels good to react, right? Well, I'll kill him. And then they even fantasize about it later. Like, oh, I know what I should have said. Oh, yeah. They prepare for the next argument, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's, 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 uh, yeah. I think that is the challenge, though, to to treat it like you said, as if children are having a tantrum and not engage it. And, uh, you know, because if if you have an argument with those people, they're they're already winning because they're calling the tune. Oh yeah. You're already on their turf. Yeah. Um, so 
We're getting closer to that hour, Mark. I don't even know how long we've been doing this, but I know we're getting close because sure. I didn't pay attention to when we started recording. Right. Um, the back of your book, A Sky Without Goddesses. <laughs> I was interested when I saw that. This doesn't seem like Jack wrote it. Let me dig in. And then I went through it. Okay. Yeah, I dig it. So what made you want, because in the book you even said, uh, when you were describing the uh, relationship between Frey and Freya, yeah. uh, if there's a female perspective, I'll leave that for someone else. And then you go on and you go, a sky without goddesses. Uh, like, well, he, he, he probably wrote that. And then when he got finished, he goes, I need to say something else. And went back in there for some footnotes and it turned into another chapter. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't, I didn't do the audiobook version of that one. I just let that be in the paperback and uh, the, the hardcover. But uh, I just felt like I needed to address it because then that's, then that's the next question I get. Like, because you know, I, I have female readers who actually like what I'm saying. They're like, well, how do we be solar feminine, whatever? And I, I've done very well in my career not telling women how to be women. Uh, that that's been uh, works. That that has kept me out of a lot of hot water. Uh, you know, like dudes who are telling uh, chicks what to do. Um, yeah, more power to you. That you want to have a whole bunch of screaming harpies come into your uh, world. Uh, that's what that's what it happens. And I, I tried to avoid that uh, most of the time. But uh, at the same time, I have you know lots of guys who obviously have wives or they're looking for wives or whatever. It's like, well, I guess I I have to address like, well, what what would you be looking for? what's the right way to do this? I can't be just like women are creatures of chaos and darkness and, uh, and, uh, and, <laughs> and nothing good can come of them. Uh, but, uh, you know, cause that's not very productive and uh, that, that's not helpful. Uh, cause you know, most, most guys, um, really probably need to have families at some yeah. point. It, it is better for most men. I have a lot of friends that I've had in my life. And I'm like, you just need to get your girlfriend pregnant. That's what you need to do because that you need to do that because otherwise you're spinning your wheels and you're self-destructing and all kinds of things. And uh, you need something to be responsible for. And that, that fixes a lot of problems for a lot of men. Um, so for a lot of men, that is something that they need and uh, it's, it's the best route for them. And so, you know, I can't really just say like, you know, they're, they're even, yeah, obviously we're both familiar. There's the whole, you know, area of the manosphere or whatever that is very geared towards like like women are just horrible creatures and should only be used to fornicate with and uh you know and that's again not productive i mean i know guys who have wives who are totally decent and yeah. uh and so i had to describe I like mine yeah well good uh and <laughs> you know uh and and i'm like how, how do i i i don't like the idea of worshiping women in 2021 you know, because you can look at like the ancient Athenians or whatever, and obviously the whole city is named after a goddess, and uh, she's kind of more awesome than Ares, like in their frame. Uh, you know, most of the Greek stuff we have is from Athens, so it's kind of you know skewed to their frame. Uh, but you know that they were live also living in a patriarchal society, and they talked about even virtue is is female. Uh, but also, you know, that's when you would name ships, you, you name ships, like with a, a woman's name, but that, you know, it's not necessarily a feminine thing. It's because well, you also consider it, it the, might go yeah. crazy at some point, you know, like right, you but the, to, sea, yeah. the sea has always been associated with chaos. 
Yeah, well, absolutely. And and for good reason. It makes perfect yeah. sense. Um, you know, like the sea and the earth are, are chaotic and then, then the sky is like what we look up to. And that's where order comes from and the sun and all that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, so I wanted to give it uh, some kind of positive aspect of like, well, where do women fit into this? Uh, what system do they have? And I'm not going to tell them what gods to worship. Uh, but I think that, you know, women who are right-minded uh, and, you know, like are the women that men would want to help raise their children uh, are also, they, they've chosen to be on the side of order rather than the side of chaos. And right. they're pointed in the same direction and they're working on a project together. And that's really what men used to want from women. Uh, you know, when they saw, they were looking for a wife who like, well, you know, what, you know, what, what could she do? How can she help me build this family and do this thing that I want to do? Um, is she going to be my, my partner in it or is she just going to work against me? Uh, and so that's what I think men were really looking for. I mean, when they weren't really looking for like, uh, you know, average men were not necessarily looking for, uh, you know, uh, a 10, uh, you know, like a trophy wife, a trophy wives are for Kings, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like most dudes did not need that or want that. They wanted to like, well, I'm going to have to deal with her every day. So she, we have to, we have to be on the same page about a lot of stuff. And so right. I think that that's, I really wanted to, cause I knew people were going to say, well, you know, obviously in the Germanic pantheon and, uh, you know, in the Germanic pantheon, the sun is, is feminine, you know, it's a language thing, I think mostly, but the, it, it, and I knew people were going to say, well, what about goddesses? And so I did feel like I need to address where we're at. And I just feel like we're in a culture that already worships women and uh, elevates them for things that aren't even like impressive. Uh, so I don't think men can benefit from more of that. We already are surrounded by it. So, so there's not going to be a uh, moon in the night, women and goddesses coming from Jack Donovan any time soon. No, no, that's none of my business. That's a, <laughs> what women do on their own is none of my business. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I agree with a lot of that. Uh, I think I cover that in one of my books. I don't remember which. Um, the red pill movement is great if you just want to wake up. Right. But after after you wake up, you don't just lay in the fucking bed and stare at the, at the ceiling going, I'm awake, I'm awake, I'm awake. Right. You get out of bed and you go do something productive. It's, right. okay, here is the path. The path is not the goal. Now I got to go down this path to see what works for me. Yeah. yeah. The destination's on the other side of the path. But a lot of people get stuck there, uh, like the MGTOW movement, you know, the men going their own way. Yeah. Well, that's cool and all, but you could still be going the wrong way once you start going your own way. Right. You know, uh, and they, they get the, uh, it's kind of like the dog that got beaten, right? Every single human is all of a sudden a threat. So they just lash out at every single female because one hurt them. Right. And, and, you know, there's something, like I said, you know, the men, uh, nature rolls the dice with men and there's really actually always been an outlet for that. Um, I think that, you know, maybe, maybe the dudes who are you know, responding in that way probably shouldn't be dads either. Yeah. Uh, so that's, maybe that, that's, that's, that, that's nature figuring itself out. You know, like uh, it's, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, there's always been like dudes who just, you know, the guys who are in MGTOW probably just would have became monks, you know, like yeah. back when that was a thing, like, no, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go hang with out with the dudes and brew beer and talk about God and stuff. I don't need yeah, to we'll, we'll just do that. crazy. I don't need to deal with 
women because they're crazy. You know, like yeah, and, and, and when and the guy he, comes over, you know, he shows up to the monastery. We can tell him about how wicked all the women are, and he should join us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, and and that's I mean that's probably you know like a lot of what happened. You know, like <laughs> uh, you know, you know uh, go and join a priesthood or uh, join a monastery or go on a whaling ship and never come back for twenty years. You know, like go march in a legion somewhere. Uh, you know, like uh, go uh, have a forty-year war, but. Uh, you know, like that happened in history and that, that happened all the time. So I think that, you know, maybe that's just what those guys should be doing. Okay. Go your own way, do your own thing. And uh, that's not bad. And that's kind of historically normal. Like not every dude, there, there's an idea that people have in the world that every guy was magically promised a matching female and a family. And that's not real. And it's never been real. And yeah. so, like, uh, you know, like, someone out there for everyone. Well, maybe you're someone as a group of dudes on a ship that are just going to go do yeah, badass. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you're just ugly and kind of a dick. You know, like that's a, you know, like you know, like maybe, yeah. maybe maybe women aren't for you. You know, like it's 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 uh you know guys can figure figure stuff out. So like I don't have like a big bone to pick with those kind of guys. I mean, the the idea that all dudes should do that obviously is uh, uh, species suicide. Uh, so that doesn't really oh, yeah. make a lot of sense. But, I can't remember uh, which one of your essays it was. Uh, when I read it, I was like, hold up, wait a damn minute. What did he just say? Uh, I was reading through a Sky Without Eagles, and it said, yeah. uh, the future is feminine because men need them so they don't end up like a group of dudes on, what, what was that, 28 days later when the guys just fucking kill themselves because they realize there's no future because they can't have kids and grow their tribe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the way I meant. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, yeah. I guess I'm I quoted 28 days later for that. But yeah, I mean, dudes, I think that women in the modern world forget, and it's almost become a subject of memes and so forth. Uh, you know, like they forget that uh, men actually, a lot of men actually want children, and that they yeah. actually want families. Obviously, uh, I've got nine of the fuckers. Yeah, I mean, which is, you know, like a record even among my friends, and I, I know a lot of Mormons. Uh, so, like, good for you. Uh, but uh, you're repopulating the earth by yourself. But uh, <laughs> you're not responsible. I think, like, the United States just came out with negative population growth again, but it's not your problem. Uh, yeah, but I did my part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I, I think that the, you know, that that's, you know, a direction that a lot of guys need, and I think a lot of guys, like I said, would benefit from having families, and and I think men do want to have children. I mean, I think we all get the itch. I mean, I, I was always, a lot of dudes in their 20s, they're like, I never want kids. They do that thing. And I, I was totally that way. And I, I did go through a patch in my 30s where I was like, eh, I kind of do, though. Uh, you know, like I, and I couldn't really ever figure out how to make that work exactly in a way that made any sense. But, uh, yeah, probably not my job but but yeah i mean i think a lot of guys I, i've told a lot of guys like yeah you say that now but yeah you get to like like 35 and you'll be like eh, maybe i want some kids you know, you, know, right. you know it's it's a thing well it goes back to almost coming full circle to what we were talking about in the beginning where you know the very first thing people get into when they start to look at germanic paganism or any pantheon of gods is the striker figure you know, they love Hercules, you know, they love Thor and they go, yeah, but you can't stay a striker forever. Right. I mean, you can, but they're, 
you're just always going to be the striker and nothing more. You're kind of excluding everything else unless you just retire to become a Lord of the earth, right? You're going to sit there and whittle sticks and grow plants that go ahead. Cool. But for a lot of dudes, they feel that I feel like leadership is a desire that's even if it's only a smidge, there's something that they want, you know, to become a leader in everybody, you know, at least men. And so it, it kind of aids in that natural progression to the idea of the father. You know, obviously, if you don't have kids, that itch is scratched when you start leading other men or leading someone to something for some purpose. And you become that father figure, whether you're a coach or, you know, a mentor, a writer, a speaker. You're the father if you're on stage and you're telling everybody to buy the damn timeshare, right? You're, you're, you're kind of embodying the father. This is great. It's affordable. Jack and yeah. Jim will share it with Bill and Sue. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. But I, I hope it's I'm not like a that. leadership. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. But it's still a kind of a leadership father embodiment type role for those men. And let a lot of men who are not cut out to be lifelong strikers would do a whole lot better if they just became fathers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's there's a thing. I mean, uh, I, I, through some like thing of magic, I, I, I tend to uh, the way of men has done really, really, really well in like uh, elite uh, military communities. And uh, so I meet guys all the time. We're like, you know, like I read that in country. Uh, we passed around my whole unit. It was really good. And uh, which is really, really humbling for me because I'm just I went to art school. But uh and, and I, so I get to meet a lot of those guys and they've actually been the striker for reals. Right. Uh, and uh, so talking to them, what I find a lot of times is that like the way that they find their center when they're done with that life, because as you said, you can't do that forever. Uh, you know, at a certain point they get to, you know, mid thirties or whatever. And we're like, well, they're like, uh, this is probably, I probably need to stop. Um, and then they do contracting for a while or whatever, but eventually they, they, they stop doing that. And so they need to figure out who they are after they're done being the striker. And a lot of them, you know, they just, they make a career out of it. They teach guns, they do whatever and uh, just become, but then again, that's, that's a leader role. You know, right. Becoming like a leader uh, of other men. And that, that's what happens a lot of times. And also there's a big uh, thing, whether it's starting a family or they get involved in some kind of, you know, conservation effort or uh you know a lot of them just want to be farmers or they think they want to be farmers i don't think a lot of people who think who think they want to be farmers really want to be farmers but uh, i only know of two homesteaders that are actually doing okay doing it but i know of about 50 that have tried it and go i I can't yeah 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 it's not it's not as easy as people think it is it's Uh, not romantic either but uh yeah it's not it's not really that profitable or whatever but uh but yeah you have a lot of guys who they do want to get you know, they, they've already been a warrior and now they want to be a warrior in a garden. You know, like they, they want to come back and actually work on uh, growing some things and, uh, you know, uh, contributing in that way. They've already been killing things for a while and now they want to uh, work on uh, perpetuating life in some way. And so the Lord of the Earth, I think, is a lot of... The, when, I, when you talk to those goods, you have a very different... Uh, there's a big separation because I talk to those guys and they've already done all the warrior stuff. And so they, they want to talk about feelings. And like being sensitive and shit like that because their man cards punched, you know, like they've got all that stuff. They, they, they're, they're good. And, uh, 
you tell me all day how cuddling is therapeutic because I, you've shot 47 dudes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and, and that position is valid for them. And I have to remind them sometimes, but like, uh, dude, you know that like, that is not the message that 99% of dudes need to hear. Um, right. The 99% of dudes have been coddled their entire lives. They've never had a real problem. Uh, they, they work at some, you know, like very submissive job. And they are encouraged at every point to act like victims and talk about their feelings. What they need to be told is shut the fuck up. And you know, like most of them need to be told to shut the fuck up and you need to take those feelings and crush them <laughs> because yeah, you, you, because you've never done that yet. You know, like, right. yeah, like striker guy has already killed a dude and, and, uh, had With to process that. Yeah. You know, and, and, and clamp it down to get the job done. Uh, but most guys have never had anything like that happen. And you do need to tell them to rub the dirt, rub some dirt on it and stop your fucking crying and don't be a baby. And they, most dudes need to hear that. Uh, so there's a big, you know, there's a big difference between dealing with guys who have already been to the top of that game. And then they want to talk about feelings and that's cool. Cause they can go, they can do that. But the guys, most guys are not there and they will probably never be there. And so they just, they do need a harder message. They need, they need someone to talk to them like a fucking dad, you know, like, and uh, that's, and that's why they like Jordan Peterson so much, you know, like that they love some dude who's going to be down to fucking clean their room and shut the fuck up. You know, like, yeah. uh, you know, dudes need to hear that. Dudes really do need to hear that. And there's too many of them out there now that, you know, obviously fatherlessness is the big, you know, it, fatherlessness is endemic, whether it's going to be from war, famine, something, there's going to be houses out there without dads. Yeah. And without that, listen, I love you, but stop being a bitch yeah. kind of leadership and teaching. We're looking at what we have now with nobody told these people to stop acting like little bitches. Yeah. And now we're seeing like what I mentioned earlier with the slave class rising up, going, look, you being strong and smart and rich that's actually evil. So let's bring your little ass over here because it's a feeling of inferiority I've got to deal with because nobody ever told me to suck it the fuck up. Right. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's interesting how like, especially like you mentioned, Nietzsche would be rolling in his damn grave going, I told y'all some bitches, yeah, you know? Yeah. 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 I said it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting to see how it's gone. Uh, it's kind of the same with Orwell, you know, yeah. Uh, I, I didn't, this wasn't a manual. This was yeah. a shit not to do, yeah. but that's somehow where we ended up, which is again, why, and I'm going to be really cheesy here, which is why someone needs to build a fire in the dark. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So now that this is done, I'm assuming you're going to take a little bit of a break. Uh, before writing anything else, because don't be like me. I finished one book, published it, waited three days, and then started writing the second book. Uh, <laughs> what's next coming from Jack Donovan? Yeah, no, I can't do that. Every time I finish a book, I say I'm never writing one again because it's a horrible experience every time. Uh, they, I, someone said it's it's like uh, the best closest man can get to childbirth, and I tend to agree. Uh, like, but then like childbirth after after they get over it for a while, then they're like, maybe I'll have another one. You know, and so like that's you know how book writing is for me. So, 
I, I was looking forward to getting it done for a long time because you have this cool idea, then you travel it through. And, and uh, so I'm not working on another book right now, but uh, I am working on a lot of stuff, uh, probably too much stuff. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm a little lazy, so uh, I guess I'll have to, uh, uh, you know, shut the fuck up and get to work. Uh, yeah, and like, I get that. As soon as we get off uh, here, I've actually got to go figure out web design stuff. Because actually what I'm doing right now, um, I'm starting two magazines in the next two months. Excellent. Uh, one of them, I am, we're kind of soft throwing it out there a little bit. Uh, Tanner Guzzi and I uh, formed a company and we're actually going to start a men's magazine and uh, it's going to be online first, but you know, we're going to catalog the stuff at the end of the year and uh, maybe we'll get some investors and, and blow it up a little bigger. Uh, That's excellent. Uh, Tanner is actually going to be on here uh, next, right after you. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. Well, we'll because the Mormon community is one of the most like epitomized perimeter based communities ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I'm a pagan. My wife's a Catholic, and my favorite people are Mormons. Let's do this. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, totally. Yeah, for sure. Uh, they're 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 pretty based. Uh, you know, at least the the you know the ones I know are the uh, what are they called the the, the Desnets or whatever. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. I'll even learn what that meant. Like like. A I'm gonna learn what that means uh, when I sit down to talk to Tanner on Monday. Oh, spicy. Yeah. Uh, like when he ever every mentions it, I'm always like, oh, your little subculture. Uh, yeah. but uh. It's, but anyway, so Tanner and I, uh, we formed a company and uh, we're going to uh, uh, build a magazine basically devoted to high quality coverage of all these guys who actually can't get any press. Um, like who's going to review your book? You're like, there are no, there are no websites that, that actually do that anymore. We all just have podcasts and uh, YouTube's things and, and all this stuff. But, and so all these guys are talking and they're doing things, but there's no record. There's no record and there's no, there's no written words. So actually when you go to look up any of us, the only people that say anything about us in writing are saying bad things. And right. uh, that's a really big problem. Uh, so I think that uh, we're going to try and address that and we're going to do other stuff too. Obviously, you know, we want to make it a, a legit men's lifestyle magazine because all the men's lifestyles magazines are like for, metrosexuals dudes in new york you know like uh, right. they're not they're not for any men that i know and and so uh, we want to you know be able to do some like high quality coverage of these write it write a really nice article with a nice interview um with these guys and do some original photography and and uh make it a high quality thing uh you know to kind of counteract this fact that you know we're never going to get any you know like gq ain't ain't right you know I, i'm one of the most popular men's authors you know, writing about masculinity probably out there. And, uh, you know, GQ ain't ever going to give me a call. I can tell you no. that right now. Uh, and, and so, uh, I mean, and that's kind of weird uh, at this point. And, and so we, it, the idea is to fix that. Uh, ironically, I can't fix You're it. You're starting a new world. Writing the magazine. But uh, uh, it, it is, it's something that uh, I think needs to happen. So, you know, there's a lot of guys that I have interviews set up with already that we're going to start doing and i want to get uh, some book reviewers on on kind of on call so because i've i mean you sent me your book uh like i have guys send me books all the time there's dudes writing books uh, all around i don't have time to read them all but someone should and someone should right. write about them you know like so it, that's i think that that's really important um to get that out there 
so that's that's uh, the first project. And that magazine is called Chest. Uh, I don't think we've dropped that yet, but that's what it's called. And uh, it's dropped so, now. So yeah, and I'm I'm building. I, I I paid a Romanian guy to install that that site. Uh, so I, I guess I have to see if he's done his work today. And then we go. Then I I go into that customization mode. And then there's another magazine that I'm I'm working on already, uh, uh, called Butter, uh, from the uh, which is a little more esoteric, uh, based on the book, uh, Fire in the Dark. Nice. And uh, it's a magazine more to promote to do some of the things I talked about in the afterward, which is to promote culture, and because we're all in a cultural war uh, to a certain extent, and and uh, that is one thing that I have. I think, you know, I, I went to art school. I can, I can do that. I, and uh, so I'm going to run some, run and fund some art contests uh, to have people develop ideas from the book and, uh, you know, have some, you know, try and cover this. There is a, a kind of a, a solar culture that's been happening online. You see a lot of guys with soul in their handle and, and, uh, oh, yeah. and they're doing, you know, that's kind of, you know, maybe I'm a little responsible for that. Uh, but th- they do not take credit for it anyway. That's how the internet works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, so rather than have it being a hashtag trend that dies in a year and then becomes another trend, uh, I think it's really important, and uh, which is one of the reasons I've been talking about it. So I want to encourage that. And uh, so I have, a, I have a guy I'm actually going to probably start the interview with today, uh, who they just started a kind of solar metal band uh that uh is is coming out and, and i'm pretty excited about that because he's good with aesthetics i've actually met this guy in person and tattooed him and and so, stuff in the past so um you know i'm hoping to launch that and start some contests uh for art and so forth with cash prizes and all that um i'm going to start that in the next uh uh probably the 15th of this month i'm going to drop that so excellent uh that's two big things you know so i've been in the past 24 hours i've just been sitting remembering how to customize WordPress again. Uh, you know, like I've been doing this for a decade and like every two or three years, I got to design a website again. I'm like, uh, how are we doing it now? Uh, but uh, yeah, so getting all that together and getting all that started. So two big magazines projects. I think the chest one is going to be really big. I'll probably do a lot of travel for that. Talk to a lot of guys, uh, you know, get some good, good content. We just need to compete with the media that, the media already decided which way it's going. And so we need to create a new one and be the, the, the first men all over again. I dig it. Well, Jack, thanks for coming on, man. You know, the last time we saw each other was back in Orlando. Um, and I, I use the pictures that you took for our miniature photo shoot out there by the pool at the resort. I use that for everything. Cause it's the, it's the coolest picture of me I have. Cool. So cool. Awesome. Next time you travel out this way, I'll have to get some more done. Um, I know you're trying to, uh, I, I think at the time you're trying to get that a little more of those photo types of photos done for your portfolio, right? I, I was, and I would still like to, I mean, I'm set up here. I could really have about a much enough stuff in this room to be a professional photographer at any moment. <laughs> you know, that, like and that's the way I have here just for this setup here. I mean, there are like six lights in here that are like pro camera lights uh and so uh, i could do whatever it's just obviously the main stuff obviously is i have to put my book out and, and things like that but uh oh, yeah I, the other stuff to do a little bit for this magazine is I'll, I'll probably do a lot of uh shooting i have people who I'm, i know that i'm going to shoot that they don't even know it yet i'm just gonna get like i have to reach out to them and ask them to do the interview, but they're gonna say yes and so uh you know i'll probably start doing it that way 
but I'm getting a lot of experience uh, shooting myself. So, uh, you know, eventually I'll, I'll shoot more other people, but cause it's so much easier. I don't have to set up that self timer and do all that stuff. Uh, it's a hassle. Oh yeah. All you got to do is have a uh, Zach and tech standing right beside you with a lightsaber. Like they went back. My little, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. But, uh, Jack, again, thanks for coming on the show, brother. I really appreciate no it. All right. Yeah. Uh, for those of you uh, who are watching, listening, it is jack-donovan.com where you can find every single thing that Jack has put out. He addresses a lot of things in his frequently asked questions and his positions there because you Google the guy and there's just a whole lot of bullshit rhetoric out there uh, that he's addressing now for other writers with his chess magazine that he just mentioned. Also be sure to go onto Amazon, check out his book, fire in the dark men and gods out. Now uh, it's an honor for me to look over and see his book right next to mine on Amazon. It's really cool. Uh, I'm going to throw that out there. Grab mine while you're at it. Empire divided. Uh, mine's more expensive than Jack's because I'm poorer than Jack. But until uh, the next episode, build your fire. Light your perimeter. Keep an eye on it. Darkness is coming. Don't stop watching. Defend your perimeter.